Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I'm so glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. Before we begin, I need to tell you, you have two lazy people here because we are taking off next week for the Thanksgiving holiday. Speak for yourself. I'm taking time off to regenerate, you know, to rest and do all those things you say are so important to do. Right? I was just teasing, yes. saying we were lazy. No. What are you doing for Thanksgiving week? I'm spending it with my family at home. We're not traveling anywhere. My daughter's coming home from college, so very excited to see her and spend time with her. We are traveling all over the place over the next uh, 10 days, and we're going to be with family all over the place, and it'll be interesting to see, because this time of year, best laid plans with travel can go awry. So we can report when we return if I've got a good story to share. And I hope that you have an absolutely fantastic time with family, friends, experiences, adventures, whatever next week brings into your life. Football. Football is my life. Do you know next year there's going to be NFL football on Thanksgiving Day and on Black Friday? Wow. And on Sunday. And don't forget Monday night football. I mean, it's going to be quite a Thanksgiving week for an NFL nut like me next year. And uh, so enough about football. So what we got going on now, it's time for my favorite segment we do on our podcast, Clark Stinks, where you get to hear where I didn't quite do as good a job as I should have. And I'll have the whole next week to think through the things that you have shared with me in today's Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. By the way, I, I really stink already because I didn't mention later in this podcast, I'm going to talk about some things that some of the major product manufacturers are doing that you got to be aware of to protect your wallet. All right. First stinks. You mentioned how to pay less when having teens on your auto insurance policy, but you failed to mention anything about having your teens and parents taking defensive driving yeah. classes that will save you and your family money. The certificate is valid for four years and most insurance companies offer a $5 discount per driver or a percent per policy and so on. In your future podcast, you may want to mention this and perhaps have your team research the top rated insurance companies. Rick. Rick, thank you. And okay, this has come up before and I apologize when I've answered questions about teen auto insurance. I've not talked about in many states. There are state mandated discounts, exact percents that are required that insurers lower your insurance if you take a state mandated uh, or state sanctioned or approved driver training course. Now, these come in two ways. One, 
there are ones that are 14 drivers specifically that get you the new driver discount for a team. But in several states, there are discounts for people of any age if you take a defensive driving course. Uh, many times it'll be a six-hour or 10-hour uh, safety course, and you take that, and then there will be a state-mandated reduction in your auto insurance for a period of time. And again, in auto insurance is regulated by the states. So these are 100% state-specific by state mandate. This is about tire warranties. Clark has never driven on rocky roads. For some, these are good. My brother used to buy five tires with this, with a warranty because he frequently had flat tires. Often he would drop the flat off at the Walmart on the way to work and pick it up on the way home. Doug. Doug, thank you. Um, the road hazard warranty is an intensely profitable thing for the tire industry, for the tire dealers. Uh, not so much for the one your brother had, because it worked out for him because of the roadbeds that he was driving on. And I just want you to know that if you drive on normal roads, tires are so much more reliable than they used to be, that the reason the tire dealers push them so hard is because it is a product with a massive profit margin. and. If you are somebody who drives in territory where you know you're going to have problems repeatedly, then do what Doug's brother did. This probably falls into the category of smelly, not stinky, but you have caused me great unease with your constant doomsday scenarios with Zelle. My daughter sends me a Zelle payment every month for a loan, so I contacted my bank, one of the big ones, and asked if they covered fraud. They said they have a fraud department and would submit a claim for reimbursement if any fraud occurred. Am I missing something here, Richard? Yes, Richard, your bank lied to you. Flat out lied to you. Because all you need to do is go to Google or any search engine you use and click on the news icon and put in Zell, Zell fraud. You will see stories that are done every single week in the country, maybe at this point every single day, of people whose accounts were defrauded and the bank said, nope, there's no protection against fraud with Zell. You can go soak your head and you will find out that what your bank said to you was a big, fat, lie. Now, there's no reason that the big banks that own Zelle could not offer fraud protection with Zelle, but they don't want to, and you get stuck with the bill even when somebody gets into your account and steals your money. Just look at the TV reports. This is such low-hanging fruit for TV reporters that they could do a Zelle story 365 days a year about people who had their money vanish. Zell is dangerous. Be paranoid. Stick with the paranoia and know that Zell is a ticking time bomb for your checking account. Vanguard does not offer an SAJ, Clark. Every time you mention this, I get excited and go check. I wish they did, but I had to open a Fidelity to invest my HSA funds. Not that I don't like Fidelity, but I would prefer to have it with Vanguard since I have several other accounts with them. Not many people do this and let their HSA funds sit in their employer's chosen savings account, Mark. So 
It's true. They don't have their own plan. So, yeah. So what, what Vanguard has is they have a partner for the HSA. And the Fidelity HSA is a much cleaner, simpler, easier thing to do. You made the right choice going with Fidelity for your HSA. And it's a missed opportunity at Vanguard that they're doing this is almost like something they're farming out the work on instead of doing it in-house because the HSA is such a wonderful product, but the Fidelity HSA is awesome. Another one on, on your HSA segment, it seems that every week Clark gives stinky advice to not use the HSA funds to pay medical bills. He's not alone because I smell the same odor when the wind is blowing from the direction of the dairy farm on a warm summer day. Does he not know that an HSA balance is taxable as income to beneficiaries in the year the owner dies? I would be embarrassed eternally if my children had to pay taxes on a massive HSA that Clark said was a triple tax savings investment. Please ask Clark to tell listeners to spend their HSA before they die and emphasize the fresh-smelling Roth to build tax-free wealth. Tom. Tom, thank you. And your point is well-made and valid. The purpose of HSA money and proper tax planning is to let the money grow over the decades. And then when you are in retirement, as medical bills become a bigger part of your expenses over the course of each year, that you use the money at that point for the medical expenses you have. And it is not like a Roth that if you never need the money, it's a fantastic asset to inherit, where an HSA has the tax bomb issues like a traditional IRA would have. You don't stink, but I get really nervous when you recommend Hyundai or Kia cars with the recent break-ins happening. It's my understanding that these two cars are being targeted. My mother has one of them and has had her window broken out twice. You may want to give that warning, Sean. Sean, um, you know, cars go through cycles of being the ones targeted by thieves. I don't know specifically. Do you know the reasons why Hyundais and Kias have been targeted? For a long time, the most stolen car in the United States was older Honda Civics, and there were specific reasons for that. So there, there's a, a pattern that changes over time, which vehicles are stolen or broken into the most, and I don't know why so Kia's I look- and Hyundai's are broken into so much. These are targeting certain makes and models of 2010 to 2021 Kia and Hyundai vehicles that use a mechanical key, not a key fob, and push button to start the car. So I just quickly searched that and found that. Um, And I know that I did hear that because I know somebody who had one stolen. So In this case, the criminals just broke the window and stole out of it. But apparently they're easier to steal than other cars in terms of the the start mechanism. Clark, you stink at predicting things. You said several years ago that hearing aid prices would be going down very soon and made the same prediction again just recently. You also said at one point in 2020 that the car shortage would be resolved in about six months (laughs) and car prices would come back to normal in 2021. Now you're saying the issue will get better in 2023. I guess if you keep saying it year after year, you might eventually be right. I've been putting off buying a new car and hearing aids for several years now, and my wife is getting annoyed. Scott. Scott. Okay. Number one on the cars, I was flat out wrong. I did not see all the things that came together that led to uh, longer-term shortages 
of both new and used vehicles. It took a perfect storm of things that happened one on top of another, and I was flat out wrong about the car thing. Guilty as charged. I will not be wrong about what I've said about the market being in really good health the second half of 23 for consumers. Things are already improving on both the new and used front. The timing, I got completely wrong. I won't be wrong this time. Mark my words. I want to hear back from you, Scott, if we get to, let's say, July, August of 23, and the prices are are still where they are now. I want you to make me admit that I was wrong again. I won't be wrong. I'm like 100% confident I won't be wrong. That's a pretty strong number. That's too much. And I guess if I am wrong, Scott, right live on the podcast, I'll have to eat some sheet metal. Or you buy a car at full price. I'm not buying a car at full price. (laughs) Um, On the other thing, the hearing aids have gotten much cheaper already this year. What happened was the lobbyists for the hearing aid cartel was able to stall and stall and stall on the regulations going into effect. They are in effect now. I talked recently on the podcast, gave examples of the much lower prices. Go look at what's happening in the marketplace now. Your wife will be happy because you will hear what she says now. And uh, there are a number of well-known and recognized brand name manufacturers. Bose is the one furthest out front with much more affordable hearing aids of well-known and recognized consumer audio brands. But there's a lot, a lot of choice and the prices are coming down and they will keep dropping. Often you talk about how Amazon is not the place to find a bargain. This is simply not true. Over the past few years, I've saved a ton on electronics and appliances with Amazon warehouse deals. From a high-end espresso machine to a Nintendo Switch to a MacBook Air, each item was well over $150 off retail and in like new condition. Don't sleep on Amazon warehouse, Ben. Ben, thank you. Uh, It's ironic you're posting about this because we did talk about Amazon Warehouse just a few weeks ago and talked about Amazon's strategy for clearing out goods that had been kind of haphazard, that they're focusing more and more on how to get that done. And so there are significantly more bargains available, especially because Amazon is so overstocked right now. And a lot of the deals that are being cleared out by Amazon, aren't like new. They are new goods that they're heavily marking down to clear out. This is a real savings opportunity right now with everybody, including Amazon. Clark, you stink because you never mentioned the simple IRA as a retirement savings option for small businesses with employees. I'm a Texas CPA and the simple IRA is the best choice for most small businesses with employees. For 2023, the owner employee can defer up to $15,500 and an additional $3,500 if they're over 50. You can establish the plan at Fidelity. It's free and there's no annual IRS form 5500 like there is with a 401k. So thank you very much. I think he meant tax CPA, not taxes. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, So... The simple is a fairly complicated, it's funny it has the name simple, it's much more complicated than how a SEP works, but if you have proper guidance like you're providing to your clients, 
a simple is a very effective vehicle to save money. You don't have uh, administrative fees with the discount brokers for doing a simple IRA. And there's another tool in the toolbox. I generally don't talk about the simple because the complexity for somebody who is a very small business or is self-employed, the SEP or with somebody self-employed, the solo or it's referred to as the solo 401k or the self-employed 401k is, in my opinion, a better option than the simple for a very small business, particularly a one-person entity, the solo or self-employed 401k. For a very small entity, though, I really prefer the SEP over the simple because the paperwork's a lot simpler for a SEP than it is for a simple. Wow. That's a lot of... (laughs) terms to throw out. I so appreciate your show, but today you stunk like the smell of burning money. Your advice to avoid employer legal plans was way off the mark. When my wife and I wanted to get wills made, we got quotes from a few different attorneys. Even though our situation is fairly simple, the quotes we got ranged from $1,500 to $3,000. So instead, I signed up for my employer's legal plan as part of our annual open enrollment. It cost me $7.50 per week, $390 total over the year. I used the services just once to get our wills done, but it saved us thousands and we had excellent experienced attorney craft our documents for no additional charge. Then I simply elected to not re-enroll in the following year. I'd recommend this to anyone and everyone who would prefer to have bespoke documents created for them rather than relying on cookie cutter online forms that may not make sense for their personal situation. David. David, thank you for this. Okay. So the thing with any subscription offer that has upfront bonuses that are really great is that so often people will sign up for something like that and they'll say, oh, okay, I'm going to get, in your case, I'm going to get the wills and then I'm going to dump it a year later. People forget to dump it, whatever the subscription is that has some kind of wonderful uh, upfront benefit that obviously makes the money you'd be paying for that subscription a deal But the problem is, when does a deal become no deal? It's when you sign up for something, and then it just keeps on going month after month, year after year. In your case, worked out perfectly. And I want to say something right here about the posts on Clark Stinks. You just have no idea how much I appreciate you sitting down, taking the time to write and correct me or add additional information or disagree with me and the passion that you express because it's all part of being part of our team here because we all learn together. Nobody has a monopoly on good ideas and wisdom and any individual who thinks they have all the answers, they don't. And so we do all learn together. We learn cumulatively and we learn over time. And my favorite one though, was the individual who pointed out how thick in the head I was about the cars two years ago and how wrong I was because it really is important when somebody speaks to you with strong conviction and then later they never say, hey, you know, when I told you, that wasn't true. So it really is wonderful truth serum that you take the time to post and share with me. Coming up ahead... The big brand name manufacturers are just as fast as they can and as aggressively as they can 
raising the prices on everything. And I want to tell you what their strategy is and how you should deal with that strategy straight ahead. As you know, I'm obsessed with store brands, with generics. And good times bad, I'm all about the store brand. But the way we as Americans behave, very different than people in the rest of the developed world. We buy a lot more brand name goods than people do in other wealthy countries. It's just part of what we do. And during times that our wallet's a little thinner, like right now with the inflationary cycle we're in, people tend to migrate more to store brands. And that's happened this time in the United States. But the share that store brands represent teensy tiny compared to what happens other places. The consumer marketing companies are solidly in our psyche in the United States. And there's been a pattern here that is very unusual during a time that a meaningful number of people are migrating from the brand name to the store brand. Normally, when that happens, the brand name manufacturers will do Uh, product substitution, where they will make lower cost versions of the item, package it differently, could be almost the same item, but they'll have a value version of the brand name to capture back business that might leave them to go to the store brand. But the brand name manufacturers have mostly stayed away from that, this economic cycle, and have been successful selling fewer items to a smaller number of people at now much higher markups. I saw a story recently in the business section of the New York Times about how several of the brand name manufacturers are now finding that selling to fewer people but at much higher markups is actually working for them. And so they're accelerating the price increases. So the gap between the brand name and the store brands that historically has been typically 30% is actually widening right now because the brand name manufacturers know they've got these people, no matter what, they're going to buy the brand name. And so they're just going to run up the price till they hit that wall of resistance. And so far they haven't. Nestle is an example that owns a lot of brands, has popped prices up nearly 10% in the third quarter versus a year ago, a significant step up from where they were before. And they are still making enormous profit margins, even though they're selling less of whatever. Procter & Gamble has bumped up Crest, Charmin, other things, 9% just in the latest quarter. Sales volume dropped, but only dropped 3%. So they're like, wait, this is great. We're running these prices up. And yeah, we lost some people at the margins, but we're making so much more on the people that are staying. I want you to understand that you're being played if you are extremely brand name loyal. And so think it through when you're in the store and your historical habit is you buy this brand name, that brand name, the other brand name. Why don't you try the store brand? Why don't you just take a little tentative walk down the the store brand path. And you may really be surprised that that store brand 
is just as good most of the time, sometimes even better, sometimes not as good. What do you lose? Every store out there, if you try their store brand and you don't like it, you take it back, they give you your money back. Some stores will stand so behind their store brand that you take it back and at no extra cost, they'll give you that brand name as like a double satisfaction guarantee. So let Procter & Gamble, let the others sell things at much, much higher cost to people that are turbo brand loyal. Step back from that loyalty and your wallet will be smiling all the way to the credit union. See, I couldn't say all the way to the bank. (laughs) All right. David in California says, hi, Clark. My wife recently had three back-to-back codes sent to her phone for access to her PayPal account. Wow. The two-factor authentication worked. She then went on to change her password. We set this up because of your advice. Thank you. Question, is there anything else we need to do other than change her password? What's interesting is that she didn't have a simple password, so the fact that a hacker got it somehow is remarkable. And we'll never know exactly how the hacker was able to break that complicated password. And so we've talked about why passwords are going to go rearview mirror because hackers have been able to defeat most any password system out there. And the two-factor authentication, I've also talked about that recently, that, that that's why criminals are stealing your cell phone service. So suddenly your cell phone will go dead because somebody has switched your cell phone service because of poor security of the cell phone carriers. So most of the time, though, two-factor authentication is going to be that uh, great security that's going to keep the theft from happening. You've done what you should do, and I would be aware that if somebody's figured that out, some of your other financial passwords, they may be onto those as well. You may consider changing the ones that you have at your brokerage, 401k, uh, bank, credit union, that kind of thing, to just a fresh reset on your passwords. Sean in Virginia says, my wife started 529s for our three daughters and our oldest just started her freshman year. We should have more than enough for all three to receive a 40-year degree, most likely more. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. She lives with us and commutes to Old Dominion University from Virginia Beach. And I was curious if that would be an authorized expense, off-campus living, and what would be needed to support that. Thank you for everything that you do. My wife and I listen to you on our walks, reducing the impact of dementia and Alzheimer's and increasing our financial education education. Wonderful. And congratulations, Sean, that you've been able to save enough money that college costs are not going to be a worry. You use the very efficient 529 plans. You got that tax-free money. And you'll be happy to know that the law does permit for you to charge, you have to charge the equivalent or less than what a dorm would be on campus. Or the commuter rate that some colleges charge. A commuter rate. You're going to teach me something, Krista. Students living off campus should keep records and receipts to validate the expense. Families may also be able to use 529 assets for room and board from students living at home, but the cost allowable must be lower than the cost of living on campus. Some colleges may specify a cost for commuters or at home. Still, the student at home would only be able to use the 529 savings for the lesser amount. 
And so this so you was don't from, want you maybe don't want a college to have a commuter stated amount because yeah. that would likely be lower, lower. than the dorm cost. Mm-hmm. But if they have both, you have to use the lower the commuter. Yep. And oh. I just Googled that real quick and found that on a website called Putnam.com. This well, Putnam's week, an investment company. Okay. We have a follow up here from Michelle in Mississippi. You recently read my comments about being told by TSA PreCheck that I had to redo in person rather than online. And, and there it was like uh, like five hours to the closest airport that had PreCheck or something? She said, and there not being a close location for me to do that anymore. I went back to the TSA website to try to determine why my local airport is no longer handling PreCheck applications. Ended up calling to ask for help. I'm so happy to tell you that I got a wonderful agent on the phone when I called this time who helped me resolve my problem. There's a glitch in TSA's system that puts a space between a MAC, MAC, or an MC at the beginning of the last name. And I have to tell you that also happens with DI, which is how my name starts. They put a space in there. And when you request a renewal, you will be told you have to come in person to renew. The agent helped me get through the renewal process and even made sure it worked on her end before she got off the phone. Even though my TSA pre-check had expired, I was able to renew online. I just wanted to share the good news, and maybe this information will help another Mech or Mac listener. Or D- DI or whatever, if <laughs> yeah. you have a name that has... Wow, that is... I'm so glad, because that really disturbed me, because the feds want us all in pre-check, and then put too many hurdles in to get it done, in this case, a renewal. So wonderful, all's well that ends well because of a federal employee or federal contractor who cared. Wonderful. So thank you so much for listening to our show today. Next week, remember, all about gratitude. And I'm extremely grateful to each of you for being a member of our team I hope you have a great upcoming week with the big three, friends, family, football. And remember, football is my life. It can be your life, too. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving.